And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. of sermon series that I had done and those that had been done by my predecessor. As I prayed over that list, it had been several years since we went through one of the Gospels from beginning to end, which prompted me to choose Luke because of this motivation to compile a complete reliable record. As I preached through the book of Luke, I noticed that it was not so much about Jesus' humanity as it was his authority. And knowing that Luke is only the uh, first volume of a two-volume collection, I committed to preach through Acts after we spent some time in Genesis and Revelation. As we went through Acts, which is labeled in most English Bibles, the Acts of the Apostles, I was impressed that the role of the Holy Spirit was not so much in tongues and miracles as it was in telling and directing of the gospel. Since the Holy Spirit never draws attention to himself, but always deflects attention to Christ, I want to take three weeks, beginning today, to um, focus in on the person, the gifts, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're going to highlight the person and the gifts that God has graciously given to us. Now, you may notice this morning that there are several times that I will hopefully not say the Holy Spirit, but just refer to him as Holy Spirit. This is because we rarely refer to a person with a definite article. Using a definite article, the, to refer to one specific person is awkward. Some of you call me Dave. Some of you call me pastor, or the pastor, or our pastor, or Pastor Dave. As a matter of fact, Bruce Wells even calls me John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmitz. But I can't recall any of you ever referring to me as the Pastor Dave. 
It's, it's awkward to refer to a person with the. And I want us more than anything else to take away from this service that the Holy Spirit is a person. And so hopefully I will drop the the that we often use when we talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, there are many pastors in our world, and there are many Daves in our world. But there are only a few Pastor Daves. So you don't, so you can drop the the. If we were in a Spanish-speaking country, there would be many Jesus, and you no doubt know many Joshua's, but there is only one Jesus Christ. And as he is one person, also the Holy Spirit is one person. So I will attempt to drop the the when referring to the person of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what my word processor did with drop the the? Because when I use the name Holy Spirit or Spirit of Holiness, I want you to realize I am referring to one person and one person alone. Now, I will give you advanced warning that today I am going to refer to many Scripture references that we will not take time to read. So have your pens or pencils ready, and I will give you the references so that you can go back and verify that God's Word describes His Spirit in these ways, and they are not merely human ideas. Now, I realize some of you are going to have hands cramp up with writer cramps because there are so many references. But I don't want you to become stressed and anxious about that. So, I have printed 10 copies of my sermon notes that are available right there. So, if you get frustrated in the middle and you're not able to get all the references, they're right here ready for you after the service so you can take those home Let's relax and let's just relish in the person of Holy Spirit. The first thing that God's Word tells us about His Spirit is that His Spirit was alive and well long before any of us. The Holy Spirit existed and was working before the day of Pentecost. In the Old Covenant, He is often referred to as breath, wind, or spirit. I'm having some troubles controlling this, so I may need some help from you guys in that direction. The spirit was first involved in the act of creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we read that the spirit moved over the waters. And the breath of God generated or made alive man. Ten years ago, the gospel group All Sons and Daughters wrote a song entitled, Great Are You, Lord? And in that song, it includes the lyric, It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you. And that word breath, is the same word as the wind or the spirit that moved over the waters in the act of creation. 
But not only was the Spirit involved in creation, the Spirit of God was involved in the flood. For Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, tells us that the word for wind in Genesis 8, 1, is the very same word as Spirit of God back in Genesis 1, 2. For it was the Spirit of God who blew over the waters and caused the waters to recede. Now, after the flood, God's revelation to mankind became more of a prophecy and fulfillment. God said what was going to happen, and then what did. We actually see in front of us that there was a promise of Holy Spirit. The Old Testament promises of Holy Spirit were often fulfilled within the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament both prophesied and fulfilled. The first example of that is that the promised spirit enabled prophecy to happen in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. We also read in Haggai chapter 2, verse 5, that the spirit would fulfill the promised presence of the Lord. Not only would the Spirit speak in the Old Testament, but the Spirit would be the presence of God among His people. One theologian summarized it this way, the Spirit, uniquely of God, is made virtually synonymous in the Old Testament with God's power, Zechariah 4.6, Micah 3.8, and His presence. The Spirit of God was the power and the presence of God among his people in the Old Testament. We also see some Old Testament promises that are not fulfilled until the New Covenant. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 tells us that the Spirit implements the promised New Covenant. The promise was, I will put my spirit on your hearts. You'll no longer just listen to a a list of rules. It will be within your own heart, and it is the spirit that accomplishes that for us. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 29, the spirit is promised to guarantee that there is a future for Israel. Israel went through some pretty dark times politically, but God said, as my spirit is present, you will know that he is at work. The promised spirit is the guarantee of Israel's future. And finally, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, you guys are ahead of me a little bit. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, the promised spirit will empower the life and the work of Messiah. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied that when the Messiah comes, he will be empowered by the spirit, which Isaiah 61 prophesies and Luke 4 fulfills. And as Jesus read Isaiah 61, Jesus said, this is talking about me. That Messiah Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, would be the one upon which the Holy Spirit dwells. We also know that there are promises uh, promises of Holy Spirit that are in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we read the promise 
that Jesus himself promised Holy Spirit to us. The clearest promise was made by Jesus himself in the reading before the sermon that we heard a few moments ago, where Jesus himself promised there will be another one who is like unto himself, who would come alongside us to comfort us, to assist us, so that we do not go through life alone. Not only did Jesus make that promise um, to the disciples, the Spirit was promised by Jesus in at least two different places, and then it was fulfilled. The first place that the Spirit was promised by Jesus is in the upper room. In John chapter 15, verse 26, which is the chapter that, that was read this morning, Jesus says the Spirit will come. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, as Jesus is about to ascend back to his Father, he tells the disciple, go wait for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is coming to you. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it happened just like Jesus had promised. The promise of Holy Spirit was seen in the Old Testament, referring to Messiah. It was made by Messiah and fulfilled in the New Testament that we see in front of us. We also know that the Spirit himself guarantees that we have a future inheritance. Just as the presence of the Holy Spirit guaranteed to Israel that they would have a future, the presence of Holy Spirit tells us that we have a future. If you sense that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, if you sense that the Holy Spirit is leading you, then that presence of Holy Spirit is a promise to us that we have a future inheritance yet to come. So we have the promises of Holy Spirit. We also have the personality of Holy Spirit. The personhood of Holy Spirit can be found in the fact that the Holy Spirit is involved in personal relationships. He is in relationship with the Father and the Son, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, which we see behind me, or in your scriptures, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So we see the relationship of the triune God together in relationship with Father and Son. Acts 15:28 tells us that the Spirit also interacts and relates with the church because the apostle says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So there had to have been some communication that the apostles thought it was good according to Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit related with the apostles to tell them what to do. So then they laid no greater burden on the Gentile Christians. So we've seen relationship with Father and with Son. We've seen relationship with Christians and the Spirit can also, we know He is a person because He can be treated in personal ways. 
as he is treated in personal ways, the first I see in Acts chapter 5, that they lied to the Holy Spirit. We can't lie to a force. We can only lie to a person. We can't lie to a feeling. We lie to a person. In Acts chapter 5, talked about Ananias and Sapphira, who both lied to Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we see that the Spirit can be grieved. You can only bring grief to a person, not to a power or a mystery or a feeling. And finally, in Hebrews 10, 29, we read that the Holy Spirit can be outraged by our disobedience. So the Spirit is being treated in personal ways because the Spirit is a person, not just a force or a feeling that is around us. We also see that there are personal characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, 27 tells us that the Spirit is wise. When was the last time you had a wise feeling? Persons are wise, Romans 8, 27. The Spirit can experience emotion and pain in Isaiah chapter 53, beginning, or 63, beginning in verse 10. And finally, the, the Spirit acts as a person. He relates as a person. He has characteristics of a person. And the Spirit acts out of his personhood. The first way that he does that is in Luke chapter 12, verse 12, where we read that he teaches. In Acts 13, 2, he speaks. In 1 Corinthians 2, 11, he knows. In Galatians 4, 6, he cries out. In John 16, 13, he hears. And in Acts 9, 31, he comforts. All of these are actions of a person not just a feeling or a spirit. So in many different ways, we have seen the personality or the personhood of Holy Spirit. And compiling these lists of relationships, characteristics, and actions clearly indicate that Holy Spirit is a person, not just a feeling or a motivation. And while he does not have a body, the person expresses his presence in many ways. Which takes us to the presence of Holy Spirit. Psalm 139, verse 7. The psalmist says, where can I go from your presence? Because the Holy Spirit is present wherever we go. And he is present everywhere we go because the Spirit is equal to God's presence, according to Psalm 51, verse 11. And if the Spirit is present everywhere as God, then he is also present in a special way with God's people, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, which tells us, do you not know that you are God's temple and that Holy Spirit dwells in you? We also know that there are consequences of the Spirit's presence within the church. 
because the Spirit of God is present within us and within us as His church, the first thing we see is John chapter 16, verse 8, that He convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit's job is to let people know when we mess up. For we see, and when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Isn't it good to know that you don't need me pointing out your mistakes? Isn't it good that you don't need me to point out where you blew it? And I... Actually, I do need you because Anne is working overtime and showing me where I blew it. But God has given his presence in Holy Spirit to convict us so that we can change and do differently. The Holy Spirit is, is present and, he, um, and because he is present in the church, he convicts of sin. But not only does he convict us when we blow it, he also empowers us for witness. Acts chapter 16, verse 10. He doesn't only say, Dave, you blew it, but he also says, Dave, I am now going to give you the power to do it differently. I'm going to give you the power to move forward and to speak on my behalf with power and with truth and persuasion. The Spirit empowers us to witness for Him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we read that He sanctifies us. He sets us apart. He gives us the ability to live different from those who are around us. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 tells us that He brings blessing and fellowship. When we get together here on Wednesday nights, on Sunday mornings, if we gather together for a fellowship event, if we gather together for revival meetings or Bible conference, when we get together with other Christians, there is a sense of blessing, of happiness. There's a sense of fellowship that we have with one another. Being in God's house with God's people probably feels different than being in the grocery store with other image bearers. Being in God's presence with God's people ought to feel different than being at the restaurant. Of course, whichever restaurant we go to, if the chiefs weren't playing, there would probably be many of us in that, uh, in that restaurant at the same time. But God's presence brings blessing and fellowship. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 tells us that because the Holy Spirit is present, He brings freedom. He gives us peace. So we don't have to follow a, a long list of rules. The Spirit Himself indwells us so that we have confidence and liberty and freedom to do what pleases Him. And finally, we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that He brings dead things to life. For we read, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit Who dwells in you. See, the Holy Spirit gives us life 
and gives us the ability to speak for him. The person of Holy Spirit was promised, he was made present, and his presence demonstrates the power of Holy Spirit. The Spirit's power enables people to serve God. Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning in verse 26 and going on to verse 27, that the Spirit empowering people gives the ability to serve God with a pure heart. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, that the Spirit's power prompts prophecy and visions. The Spirit's power allows us to speak what the Word of God has said. The Holy Spirit's power is demonstrated many places in the Old Testament. In Judges 14, 19, we see that the Old Testament demonstrates the power and the presence of God in times of war. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, the presence of Holy Spirit was present in the lives of his servants. So that Samuel the priest was not working in his own flesh. Samuel the priest was working in the power of God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit's power is seen in the life of Jesus Christ himself. The Holy Spirit's power is seen in our church's mission. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, In the church they were given power in witnessing and in preaching. During the apostolic era, there was ministry that was accompanied by signs and wonders that were demonstration of God's power. And finally, even in this day today, God's Spirit miraculously works in the lives of individuals. You know, this morning we, we, we may have seen much that is said about the person of the Trinity which is most overlooked in Protestant churches. But I can't conclude this morning without pointing out the Holy Spirit's primary role. The primary role of, of Holy Spirit is in John chapter 16, verses 14 through 15, where Jesus said, He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus says, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit doesn't come up with new truth. The Holy Spirit doesn't come up with new ideas. The Holy Spirit takes what is the Spirit of Christ and communicates that to us. And to the world. Indeed, it is a grievous error to read the Old Testament without seeing the Son and the Spirit. Likewise, it is a horrendous error to read the Gospels without seeing the Father and the Spirit. And it is utter nonsense for us to seek experiences and power today apart from the Son who was sent by the Father. 
See, my friend, true Christianity is not a dead religion. It is quickened. That means, that's the King James word, which means it is made alive. True Christianity is not dead. It is made alive by the convicting and the indwelling Spirit of God. True spirituality is not an experiential mystery. True spirituality proceeds from one God who exists eternally as three persons. The Spirit of Christ is not so much a feeling that we encounter. He is a person with whom we can relate, with whom we can choose to obey each moment of each day. About 10 years ago, a song was written that got quite a bit of airplay on Christian radio. So, well, while we've never sung it here, this song may be familiar to you from Christian radio. It was recorded and released by an artist by the name of Francesca Battistelli. And so I invite you to stand with me as we sing Holy Spirit, Your Presence. <laughs> 